0: If you are ready to change the way people experience the transition to parenthood, you've come to the right place. On this podcast, we interview postpartum professionals, academics and researchers, as well as parents with unique perspectives on postpartum. Whether you've been working with new families for decades or are brand new to postpartum care, we'd love you to join us. I'm your host, Julia Jones. Hello and welcome to another episode of Newborn Mothers Podcast. Today, I've got a very special guest who we've been trying to catch up for a long time now, but we all know what 2020 uh, has been like. So it's taken us a while to actually manage to get together. I'm really glad and I'm sure it will be worth the wait. Today I'm chatting with Tazadi, who is in London. She's a, um, a yoga and wellbeing teacher who also has a passion for the arts um, and I'll let you introduce yourself. The topic we'll be talking today is is really is a conversation going back to kind of I think we connected around Black Lives Matter, um, which is quite a long time ago now. Um, but I'm very interested in hearing from you as a black woman living in England um, uh, about your experiences and, and your knowledge in that area. So do you want to start by introducing yourself?
1: Absolutely. Hi. Um, my name is Zadie and I'm happy to Be here Um, speaking with you, Julia. Australia's always been had a special place in my heart. Um, Grew up in England watching Neighbours and Home and Away. Um, I know that's like really, really um, not as popular apparently in the US as I'm sorry, in Australia rather, as it was here. Um, But uh, it's a place I've always wanted to visit. So uh, it's actually an opportunity. During this pandemic, to connect with people more internationally. Um, so yeah, it's I'm a yoga guide, spiritual guide. I'm a mother. I consider myself really to be a universal soul, and in that respect, I've lived in England. I've lived in the US, which is why I mentioned the US earlier. Um, for quite a long period of time I've spent a bit of time in India living there for a few months and you know if there's one thing that I know for sure is that we we all have universal things in common but unfortunately racism exists (laughs) you know whether it's overt covert uh, biases exist whether it's implicit or unconscious, whatever it may be. And so, yeah, that's, that's been quite a, a huge topic of 2020. And I'm glad that it's coming to light and that we're talking about it more, um, especially in relation to our mothers, our precious, precious mothers on Earth. <laughs>
0: Yeah I I feel like it's been really one of the best things about Black Lives Matter is actually opening up so many of these conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, In Australia we've had a very long running campaign about um, deaths in custody uh, which is kind of morphed into Black Lives Matter um, as well because it really is I think we're learning with this age of the internet that is such a universal um, problem And so the Black Lives Matter stuff, obviously deaths in custody and women in custody and birth in custody is a whole big topic as well. But today particularly, we wanted to have a chat chat about things like um, maternal mortality rates and um, uh, black breastfeeding rates. So, Mm -hmm. But I'm also interested in hearing your personal story and, and experience as well. So I don't know which one you want to start with.
1: Yeah, where to begin? I mean, you know we could we could go back and back and back because as as we know we here in the uk a lot of us that are here well maybe you know maybe you don't know but a lot of us came from the caribbean and before coming from the uh, getting to the caribbean there was a migration from africa india um and so you know i'm here because of because of those movements and those migrations And I'll start with my grandmother who, my maternal grandmother, um, she suffered from um, hyperemesis gravidarum, which I recently suffered from with my own pregnancy in 2017, uh, which is all day sickness or, or, you know, nothing really stays in. And so that was really difficult for me during my pregnancy. I had it for five months of my pregnancy. Some women have it all the way through. And it was definitely a wake-up call for me in terms of, okay, pregnancy, I heard about that there could be aches and pains during pregnancy itself, but I didn't realize it could be such a a difficult time. Having been teaching yoga um, before then, I decided to do a pregnancy yoga diploma after that horrible five-month period. Um, And that's just was the most wonderful thing I could have done for myself for my empowerment um, during my pregnancy and birth and that's why I now uh, particularly specialize in teaching pregnancy yoga and um, and then uh, of course we get to uh, the, the postpartum and I had you know, various ailments, diastasis, recti, separation of the ab muscles. Uh, my baby had tongue tie, um, which I diagnosed myself because I'd learned about it during my training. But unfortunately, this is something that gets missed time and time again. And so many women I speak to, um, I have terrible, terrible problems with breastfeeding. And even though I was aware of it, brought it up to uh, the health workers, it still affected my breastfeeding experience and and it was quite it was hard and um this is something that wasn't widely talked about apart from you know a few sort of educational resources if you go seeking for them but i I feel like these conversations need to be had amongst families first of all um and and obviously cultures are different so over here you've got what we call the, the the stiff upper lip certain things that you don't always talk about which is beginning to loosen a bit and then even within um caribbean culture you know there are certain things that uh, it's a generational thing so my grandmother maybe was more open than a lot of other grandmothers but there's just certain things that you keep to yourself or you don't talk about too openly (laughs) Um, even if it's within your own family so it's been an enlightening experience to say the least but having going through pregnancy becoming a mother and ailments that i've had actually up until even quite recently um, almost three years later after giving birth because i've listened to my body because i did this training and these practices these these uh, well-being practices uh, i'd say yeah most of the time i've at least known that there was something wrong before Uh, a health professional and i'm so grateful for our health service our national health service it's a great service unfortunately it's just overworked
0: so let's talk about that because Hmm. you and i did a little bit of research when we were preparing for this and we were just sort of talking about us statistics a lot because Hmm. a lot of kind of um, culture comes it kind of comes out of the U.S., even though these problems are fairly universal. So we've all kind of heard and read a lot about um, maternal mortality rates for Black women living in in the U.S., for example. Um, and and you kind of assume that that's you know obviously racism, but also because they don't have the same kind of public health infrastructure. But then you were just telling me that in fact, even with the NHS, that that the maternal mortality rate in the UK is. Yeah,
1: a black woman is five times more likely to die and suffer complications from pregnancy and birth than a white woman in the UK in 2020.
0: And Um, that that compares to the US, did you say they were three? Three three times. Yeah, the
1: the statistics that are currently published show that the US is three to four times more likely. These statistics are are quite... (laughs) uh, they're alarming. Um, I lived in the US for ten years of my life, so I have had the opportunity to see what life can be like in the two places. And even though there isn't a national health service, there is something called Medicare, um, which you know uh, is available for people. So it's based on your income. Um, so there's different types of insurance, and then um, so so, you know and it varies by state for example atlanta has the highest maternal mortality rate in the u.s it's uh, doesn't have as many um birth centers or some people have to drive apparently i think it's 90 minutes to get to specific units in atlanta Mm. so and, and the thing is, when we're talking about these things, like we, journal, we may generalise and say the UK, the US, but then the, the, the US is so big and then there's different states have different rules and different um, policies. Even- I think
0: that's what, it, that's what it ultimately shows, though, that these policies oh. matter, that, that these aren't the fault of individual women, but that if the the maternal death rates are so different in one state than another, then we can clearly see by funding and the policy and the you know that that's why this is happening
1: absolutely and to to give some hope uh, i was listening to a an amazing talk recently um, that mentioned that in north carolina um, these rates have improved dramatically compared to how they were still a long way to go um, but because Medical providers have been incentivized, um, whichever way works, right? um, To do risk screening for pregnant Medicaid patients um, to complete their postpartum visit. And if a mum is considered to be a high risk patient, she gets a pregnancy care manager who helps her, who understand the problems and stick to the steps to get healthier. That is what the UK, tying it back into the UK, Are now because of this pandemic, all of these things are being highlighted, literally put under a microscope more than ever before. And so the UK are now um, implementing initiatives, which is going to take some time. And I'm going (laughs) to be right there with the women that I work with. to facilitate that in any way i can that the national maternity review have have uh, highlighted certain things for example continuity of care continuity of carer because a woman can see so many different midwives during her experience and that really does affect information consistency um how she feels whether she trusts what's going on She you might go to one appointment and hear one thing go to another point appointment and hear another thing this is why it, it, it's so important to have this consistency and even to have um people that that look like like themselves um in positions you know that, yes we have a lot of black women working in the nhs in fact there was a, a recent program on bbc one talking about how black women save the nhs um, working late overnight shifts for for years um, when other people didn't want to work those shifts. But in terms of lead midwives or people in positions of making <laughs> decisions, the which policies. might be a woman. Yeah, this is something that um, hopefully, hopefully going to be improved with the appointment of the chief midwifery officer who, who happens to be a woman of colour. Um, really championing these things and the five times more movement.
0: And just to go back to the numbers, because that five times more really struck me when you told me about that. And so I quickly looked up what our rates are in Australia. And we have a report that shows that, in fact, it's four times more here. So of, for our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander women, and this isn't including all black people. This is just for their, for our Indigenous first nations women but in our case largely a lot of this is related to how remotely they live because in australia people can live literally thousands of kilometers from a hospital um so when you look at the data a little bit more closely when you look at um, indigenous women giving birth in cities um the rates of maternal mortality are actually quite similar so for australia the, i guess the details are slightly different in different countries but the end result always just seems to be the same whether or not you have public yeah. health whether or not you have yeah. a remote population whether or not you have history of slavery you know like there's details in the culture that change but we always seem to just end up at this same point again so i love yeah. your point that with once you have a, a black woman in charge Let's hope that actually is, you know, where we can start to make a difference.
1: Yeah, access is, is huge. Um, so whether it, just talking about socioeconomic factors, if you are a person of colour, you are encouraged from childhood to work twice as hard or even three times as hard as somebody who is not a person of colour to even get a smidgen of a lifestyle of what a a person that's, uh, you know, a white person has, for example, if you have two jobs, so for example, in the US, I lived in New York, most people had two or three jobs, whether they were white, black, (laughs) yellow, purple, you may not be able to get to an appointment. You may be still working while you are pregnant, you miss a phone call, maybe that one phone call that's checking up on you. You may get to an appointment and have to rush through an appointment because there's lots of patients to see, right? And so in a very short 12 to 15 minute appointment, all your concerns and questions may not be answered. If you have private healthcare, if you have the means to have private healthcare and a, a particular quality of healthcare or a quality of life where you are more relaxed it's a huge huge difference to your experience and so i want to to touch upon what i feel apart from all these factors that we're talking about um you know socioeconomic generational trauma is is something that is very, very present still in us in 2020. There's something that um, was called weathering. Have you ever heard of weathering? No. Weathering is chronic stress that a black woman feels because of race-based discrimination. And it's a wear and tear on her body that increases her risk of developing illnesses like hypertension, and diabetes, at an earlier age than a white woman. So even on a genetic level, it can add an average of seven and a half years to her chronological age.
0: Hey there, I'm interrupting this podcast to let you know that if you are really enjoying this episode, then you'll really enjoy Newborn Mothers Collective too. The collective is online postpartum training and professional development with over a thousand students from 40 different countries around the world. Wherever you are in your postpartum career, taking your first step, or with decades of experience, if you feel a deep calling to work with new families during this life-changing transformation, Newborn Mothers Collective is for you. Learn more over at
1: newbornmothers.com
0: and enjoy the rest of the show.
1: This is stress on a body that can be genetic, that comes from generational trauma, and stress in the body that appears throughout the life that one has had up until the point that they've become pregnant and stressed in the present moment. The whole I can't breathe that we we heard about this year through George Floyd just highlights really a bigger problem of not being able to fully be, fully breathe without this stress or this need to feel like an armour needs to be put on. Every time you walk out your door may not be as obvious as how it was perhaps when my mother was growing up in the UK and my grandparents came over here and there were things, uh, you know, bricks being thrown through windows or things being left through the letterbox. But I know for a fact that every black male that I've come into contact with has been stopped by the police, sometimes for no reason at all. And of course, if the man is feeling the stress, he's gonna come home. That woman, that he's with is going to f- have empathy for the person she loves she's going to feel that if she's carrying a child or even if she's not carrying a child before this even happens it's going to have an impact it's going to seep through and now i find myself as the the mother of a beautiful beautiful boy and i cannot move through this world not trying uh, raising awareness of this and, and trying to make this better for my own son. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot to carry. It is a lot to carry. And thank God I found these practices, these yoga and well-being practices, these self-care practices, because they literally are life-saving and can be life-saving and are so empowering.
0: Mm, I think it was interesting you mentioned that that kind of metaphor of I can't breathe, which is also very literal but that breathing is such a strong part of yoga as well a way of reclaiming your
1: breath absolutely our breathing is our birthright and breathing fully is our birthright and we are people we're not machines and this hamster wheel that humanity has found itself on this year has been brought to the attention in so many ways on a mass level and I, I feel like it's time to wake up, if, if if if, or it's time to begin to awaken to to the power of the breath, to the power of stillness, and the power of our strength collectively, as well as individually. And by the way, just just wanted to mention that that um, there are incidences of 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 uh, women of color who are very well educated, you know. I myself, have, have, uh, I'm university educated, I've done various trainings, I've lived in different countries and trained and I've known of other women of colour. So it's not always um, um, a wealth thing, even sometimes people who are living quite well or, or considered to be educated still experience this stress and, and trauma. It's not something that can be fixed just with, with one method, but an awareness of each individual that listens to this podcast, that reads an article. There's lots of ways that we can, can individually make a change to, to help improve these rates. Yeah,
0: yeah. and I, I want to hear about that change in a minute, but just before we move on to that, I'm also interested in hearing a little bit more about black breastfeeding rates because I know that's something else that you have spent a lot of time thinking about and, and learning about. So is there anything you can tell us about
1: black breastfeeding rates not so much about the rates i'm not that i don't know much about the rates but what i do know is that breastfeeding saves lives and what women need is that after well before they give birth they need to be educated um about breastfeeding that it's not always such a natural thing as soon as baby comes out of the womb and also um, the time needs to be taken to really show a woman you know positions that she can be in um, in order to help baby get a good latch. I know that again, coming back to the stress that if you're particularly stressed and exhausted <laughs> as most new mothers are, that the milk let down is not going to flow as easily so again, all these factors that we talked about, these environmental factors. Um, and when I say environment, I'm talking about the outer environment as well as your your in environment how you feel inside. Um, if you're there, you know, in the first few hours of baby's life, worrying, am I going to be listened to? Oh, I've just had a traumatic birth experience. These unfortunate situations that occur, that... Uh, there is this belief that women of color don 't feel pain as much as you know because they we're used to pain, whether it be through um, slavery um, in America and through Caribbean or we were kings and queens of the earth before any of that, <laughs> but we were Considered to be subhuman by the father of even gynecology who experimented on uh, Black women with gynecological instruments. uh, Dr. Marion Sims You know, it wasn't that long ago that that type of thing happened So if there's a feeling of mistrust, it's not necessarily always going to be the most joyful experience and a woman might not be breathing as fully and anxiety definitely you know is something that all mums can I think it's 80% of mums they say suffer from the baby blues that's a huge amount so if you've got all those other factors <laughs> surrounding it yeah
0: yeah we need to start talking to women about this you know not just like this is the best days of your life but actually start talking about this is this is hard it's work you need support um, and and y- you shouldn't do this alone
1: you should not do it alone we need we need our, our village and we need to feel we can talk about these these subjects openly without being dismissed without being um, th- this feeling of this guilt we have to kind of have these uncomfortable conversations and um, so they don't become as uncomfortable and that we actually start to call call things out so yeah it's it's again i diagnosed my son's tongue tie so you know just checking babies it it doesn't take long to check just checking a baby's tongue when a baby's born it can save lives can save Um, Can make sure baby help make sure that baby gets nutrients that the baby needs at the beginning of its its life. And if you're gonna, if baby loses weight, obviously babies lose weight anyway. But if babies continue to lose weight while they're not getting the nutrients they need, they're going to have to go back into hospital, which is going to actually take a lot more time on on um, those services. So there's just Sometimes there are some changes that need to be made. Yes, and they're not always complicated, are they? Like,
0: you know, like just those little things routinely checking for tongue tie would be just, even just people knowing what tongue tie is. Because I've talked to lots of women who've had a baby with tongue tie who've gone to their doctor and the doctors ridiculed them or dismissed them or told them their pain doesn't matter. So it's, Yeah, it's just a lot of more education and information. And I really believe that a lot of it is because of these disconnection we have from our ancestors. You know, I hear you talking about your grandmother. We've had, because of the impacts of slavery and colonisation and genocide and all of these things, the the witch trials, we've had such a dislocation of this feminine wisdom, Mm -hmm. especially so for black women, um, that
1: this knowledge is just so lost, Exactly. And and language, just think about the power of language. So, you know, whether you are taken from your original land or whether you migrate to a, a different land, you know, there is this, if you want to get along and get into life, you must blend in or you should blend in. And that is a dance. I mean, naturally... I have a British accent because I was born here. My grandmother had a Caribbean accent. There were words that she used, patois that she used. But as the generations go on, if those traditions um, are not revered and respected, or if a particular hairstyle that you have that comes from your culture is considered to be quote unquote unprofessional, and you, and, and a person feels, well, okay, I'm going to have to change actually fundamentally who I am or who I, you know, part of my culture in order to just get a job. That those things are really um, damaging. And language, language. It, if somebody took away your voice or how you speak or how you express yourself, or it was you were told you have to speak like this, or you have to use this language so we can understand you. And so, you know, you slowly start to use your own language or your own voice. It's like your own melody. It's like your own melody. It's like, what is that melody again? And knowing knowing who you are, knowing yourself is um, I think the first key to feeling empowered and again, yoga and all these meditation practices can be so helpful with that. So let's,
0: let's move back to those positive things. What, you know, people listening to this at home and just feeling like it's such an awful and overwhelming situation, but what are some of the things that we can do as individuals?
1: I feel that, um, first of all, do the research. Um, so not expecting women who are going through the experience to educate you um But like, actually, each of us checking ourselves and our own awareness and responses to others. If a woman of colour or a person of colour walks past you, do you act differently? If you are in an enclosed space um, with someone that's a person of colour, is there... Uh, a thought of distrust and what is that and what does that mean? And if it's there, just examine that. Uh, another thing is actively supporting women, uh, vocally supporting women. So we had this whole sort of black squares on social media that happened during 2020 where people um, gave and amplified voices um, for a day. But beyond that black square, just on a regular basis, support with with your dollars, (laughs) Um, businesses, women of color. And if you don't have the dollars uh, or have a a gift as a present with your (laughs) presence, with your listening, volunteering could be another thing if people don't have the financial means, whether this be in person or online. There are no amount of reparations that can make up for centuries of of disparities, but there are small things that we can do, each of us. And then just lastly, I would say forgiveness. Uh, Forgiveness of self and others. If we mess up or make a mistake or say the wrong word or slip up something that's not politically correct (laughs) uh, or something that might be insensitive, um, and, under, and and forgiving ourselves, and then just like, okay, maybe I shouldn't have said that, but uh, really, just self awareness. Years of conditioning, um, education or miseducation is is, is not going to be undone overnight. I think that forgiveness is really
0: important too. To understand that twenty twenty has just been like a a mind blowingly warp speed. Pro- progressive year in terms of not even progressive in a good way but progression of time feels like a lot's happened and a lot of people are still kind of just like holding on to their hats and trying to catch up with it all so we do need to be kind to each other particularly people who are trying
1: absolutely absolutely and it's it does start with yourself having some self-care you can't treat others with love and kindness if you're not treating yourself with love and kindness. Taking a breath for yourself, taking five minutes for yourself at least, and just breathing, honoring your breath for a few moments, taking a bath, <laughs> dancing, you know, whatever it is that gives you that element of peace and joy and relaxation. Because happy, the happier you are and the more present you are, the more you can be awake to what's going on around you and not <laughs> funny. Cause we're, we're all in our bubbles during the pandemic, but not being so much of a bubble where you have your protective bubble, but um, a bubble where you can't actually relate <laughs> mm. to a human being. And, 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 you know, let's just, let's just think about it. I mean, race is race is a social construct. Um, that was created to divide, conquer. Um, It's it's been big business for people, for those that wanted to gain power. Um, And that's not to dismiss that that racism exists, but race itself is a social construct. We are the colour we are based on the amount of melanin in our skin. um, Based on years of, perhaps being one part of the uh, equator, we're human beings. We are not our bodies. We are not our, even our identities, That we ha- what we consider ourselves to be, we are so much more than that. And if we see ourselves as that and realise that others are, that's a good start.
0: Yeah, I love it. Thank you so much, Sadie. Do you want to share a little bit about your your work and your website? And if people are kind of, you know, connected with what you're saying and they want to learn more, where can they find you?
1: Sure. Um, so my website is tzadielove.com. Um, so it's t z a d d i l o v ecom i um, also on social media at tzadielove.com. Um, and I also have recently uh, started a new site, which is garden, Bija Garden, B I J A garden.com, dot um, which is a well-being uh, initiative which brings together uh, various practitioners um, in my beautiful uh, garden studio in London, in my my. Uh, the area i grew up and also is now an online studio so uh come breathe come meditate come move with me um if it fits your time schedule australian i know it's a bit um you'd probably be doing evening but uh wherever you are listening you know always feel free to get in contact for further conversation and for your own um self-care and well-being
0: Thank you so much, Sadie. That's been a really important and powerful conversation and I really appreciate the effort and the time that you have um, put in. Here at Newborn Mothers, we believe that every family has the right to high-quality postpartum care. If you want to join us, learn more at newbornmothers.com. And if you like this podcast, we'd really love you to leave us a five-star review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.